Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Bad news out of Tampa and actually more bad news out of Tampa and huge news out of Gainesville. Welcome to the Rick and Tom podcast after an absolutely awful week of football in the Sunshine State, Florida, FSU, USF, all with just horrible weekends. And it ended up costing somebody a job. We'll get to that in just a bit. But we start with Sunday's Bucks game, a 17-3 loss to Carolina at Raymond James Stadium. And Rick, I'm having a hard time remembering a more depressing loss if you're a Bucks fan. Yeah, I mean, for what it meant, certainly, you know, they had an opportunity, and that's what it was at two and four going into division play, you know, to win these next two weeks to beat Carolina in a home game where, you know, they've the only place they've had success this year, and and then, uh, you know, for them hopefully go to to New Orleans the next week, and if they were to, you know, were to have uh, gotten those two, they'd be right back in it at four and four, and and everything is possible. But man, Tom, after after today. You know, you go into the day thinking the defense is is a problem, and it is. And you know, they they don't have Brent Grimes, no expenses on IR. They still can't sack a quarterback. By the way, they went right. another game without a sack. <laughs> but you're thinking that's going to be that's going to be their Achilles' heel, and it turns right. out it's the offense, and it's uh, to some degree Jameis Winston, and it was a, a blustery day, and and penalties again hurt them, and they can't score in the first half, and all the things we've seen just continue to happen. And um, I don't know. I mean, it feels to me like this team, um, you know, probably lost more than a game today, but they, they also are kind of at a crossroads, I think. And we'll get into that um, with their quarterback and just what they probably should do going forward right now. Cause he's, cause he's hurt Tom. Yeah. I'll tell you what, let, Jameis, let, let's start with this. Cause that, that's, I think the big story and you pretty much address this uh, immediately after the game, you start talking about Jameis did not look right. Jameis Winston does not look right. He was 21 of 38 for 210 yards through a couple of interceptions. He had a fumble. His quarterback rating was around 49, which is abysmal. Dirk Cotter, head coach of the Bucs, blamed some of Jameis's issues on the wind, and it was windy. In fact, Cam Newton, I didn't think, looked great either. No, he, he didn't. Was, yeah, he was like 18 of 32 for 154. Still, Rick, Jameis didn't look right. I can't put my finger on it, but if you told me that his shoulder was bothering him, I absolutely would have believed it. Well, it has been bothering him, and in fact, he's injured. And this gets back, you know, and I wrote about this um, after the game I mean, and asked Dirk Cutter about it. It gets back to sort of what happened last week uh, in that, you know, he's coming off the shoulder injury. He couldn't practice going into the Buffalo game Wednesday and Thursday. He plays and and probably had his best half of football the second half of that Buffalo game. Now they only put up two field goals the first half. But during the game, um, you know, we saw him take some hits. Mm-hmm. And last week uh, on Thursday, when Jameis again wasn't practicing his new normal, not to practice Wednesday and Thursday, we asked, hey, was there any setback? And Dirk Cutter said emphatically, no, no setback, no setback. This is just, you know, what what we need to do. And so he kind of kept the same routine, and that made sense. I mean, it worked, and he played okay against Buffalo. But then he goes on serious radio, Dirk Cutter does, on Friday night. He has a serious FSM radio spot. And he tells those guys that Jameis, in fact, re-injured his shoulder on a sack um, in that game and uh, mentions the deltoid muscle or deltoid area. Uh, and, and so, you know, suddenly the no setback comment doesn't seem to ring as true. Um, so after the game, I asked him about... Thursday, we had asked you if Jameis had had a setback and you said no. And then on Friday, on radio, you said that he actually did have another injury at Buffalo? No, he didn't have another injury. Uh, On the sack fumble in the Buffalo game, on the sack fumble, uh, Jameis fell on that shoulder, and it just, you know, it's just, it's a a bruise. It's a bruise type thing, and so uh, it was sore. I mean, you know, it was sore. It wasn't a setback. I mean, in fact, it was very similar to the way it was the week before, and, uh, you know, the player's health always takes top priority, and that's a decision that's always made 
by the medical staff, by the doctors and the trainers, and uh, so that's where that is. Jameis is, is now going into today into the Sunday game uh, against Carolina, having re-injured the shoulder. So and then and then in fact after the game, Dirk Cutter said Jameis did take uh, a shot early in the fourth quarter, and uh, he he was hurting a little bit after that. That I thought I thought he might have to come out, but. Uh, you know, it, he stayed in. It was in. It was on the first play of a drive. So they're they're going to have to check this guy, Tom. I just, I, I mean, it's 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 easy to say he's not throwing the ball or he didn't throw the ball well against the Panthers, and it must be the shoulder. When in fact, he's never going to be confused with you know a guy that completes seventy percent. Right. But it just there were times, and I'm no, I know the wind was a factor. I truly believe that. My thing is this, and, and tell me if I'm crazy, but. Look, at two and five, it's really hard. And I know no one wants to give up on a season, least of all guys who are paid to coach and play. Um, And Jameis certainly gives them the best chance of winning. There's no doubt about that. Sure. And if he's cleared medically to play, then by God, Dirk Cutter and everybody else is going to want him playing, and so does Jameis. By the same token, are we at a point now where he's he's, he's hurt himself According to Dirk Cutter, the last two weeks, this is after the initial injury that he got in Arizona, but that he's hurt himself the last two weeks, shouldn't they be concerned, you know, beyond whether he can play Sunday? Like, Andrew Luck may be looking at another shoulder surgery and miss an entire season this year, and who knows where that puts him next year. At some point, they have to look out for the long-term interests of both Jameis and their franchise. They could make the argument, Rick, okay, they're 2-5 and five right now. Say they go to New Orleans, New Orleans next Sunday and they win that game and they're 3-5, and five, which is exactly where they were a year ago at that right. time. 3-5, right. and five, put together a five-game winning streak, went to 8-5, and five, and really should have made the playoffs if they could have just won one more game down the stretch, if they could have won that game at the Saints or somehow pulled that game in Dallas. They would have been in the playoffs last year. Yeah, they so finished 9-7. Yeah. They finished 9-7 and seven and merely made it, almost went 10-6. and six. They could look at that and say, okay, in the NFC, there might be not anybody pulling away with this thing. There could be a, a wild-card team that could get in at a 9-7 and seven or, or an 8-8 eight and eight perhaps. It could happen. So you don't want to give up on the season. But I'm with you 100%, Rick, because I'm looking at this thing. This year's 2-5 and five doesn't look like last year's 3-5. and five. It doesn't feel the same. It feels worse. And the defense is not as good. And it feels like there's some real issues here with this team. And if Jameis Winston is not available to play, or, or he's going to go out there and not play well even, yeah, I don't want to risk him getting hurt. What I, what I think might happen, Rick, is they might play him next Sunday. I want to see him on a field where there's no wind because I'm, I'm curious to how much that win it did oh, it was impact a him on Sunday. It was a big factor. Because I thought Cam looked awful, too. Yeah. No, look, it, you can't. there were 25-mile-an-hour gusts coming out of the north, and there was no question that both guys struggled throwing the ball, particularly against the win. Um, you know, and again, like Jameis, can, he, can, he can have a 55% day, you know, in a dome. Um, he's fully capable of, of, sure. of, you know, a couple drop passes, which I thought there were. I, yes. I, I always do this. I go back and I watch Jameis play, and I go, man, he wasn't as bad as I thought he was <laughs> the first time because other guys screw up. Having said all that, what we have is an admission that, yes, he's medically cleared to play, but that in each game since the original injury, he has hurt it again. In other words, whether he doesn't hurt it structurally, whether it's a pain thing, mm-hmm. um, but it sure sounds like, you know, it's going to be awfully hard, I think, for him to make it through the rest of the year. And my concern, whether he's medically cleared or not, if I were named Glazer, um, would be, and not the guy worried about winning on Sunday, would be, hey, you know, we don't want an Andrew Luck situation, you know? Right. We don't want to make that shoulder worse. And the other thing is, it's not, as Dirk Cutter has said, it's not, it's not the optimum situation, but... Regardless, you got a quarterback who can't practice until Friday, and Friday's practice is about ten minutes. It seems like it's really, um, it, it's not that long, maybe forty-five or or to an hour. Um, but there's very little throwing involved. I mean, a two-minute red zone, boom, you're done. Um, and so, from that standpoint, is the guy going to be that prepared and that sharp? Again, the the thing, the outlier might become the second half he had in Buffalo. I don't know that that was the norm. I also don't think 
that what he did on, you know, against, um, you know, on Sunday against Carolina uh, was completely all on him either. I think the win was a factor. So maybe we, maybe you're right. Maybe it's one more game. If the, if the doctors say he can play, if he feels good enough to go out there, and then if he doesn't throw the ball well against New Orleans, maybe you'll have a better. But, again, every time you expose him to hits, um, there's a potential that he lands on that shoulder and, and hurts it even worse, at least in my opinion. I don't, maybe, maybe a doctor would disagree with me. I talked to Adam Humphreys after the game on Sunday, and he said that Jameis is out there during practice in terms of looking at defenses. And, but, but he's not throwing the football, Rick. And this is a guy who, no. as you mentioned, he's always had issues with timing and with hitting receivers in stride. I can't imagine that going out there and, and not throwing the ball all week long and not being able to work after practice a little bit with Deshaun Jackson or whomever uh, yeah. is, 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 is not hurting them in the long run. It's got to be hurting them in terms of – not being able to get ready for the next game. And um, look, again, I don't I don't think anybody wants to give up on this season and no one's got to admit it. And they all sounded for the, all the world after Sunday's game like, hey, they, they still want to try to get this thing back together. All it takes is one win to get back on track. But everybody, including Dirk Cutter and Jason Light and the Glazers and Jameis Winston should be thinking, hey, let's think beyond this week. Let's think beyond beyond the next couple of games what does this mean if, if Jameis Winston can't play the rest of the year? Might not be a bad thing for some of those guys, actually. Well, no, I, actually, it would, I mean, I, I think it would be a horrible thing from the standpoint of trying. I mean, you're not, you're not going to get competitive, and, and let, there's a very slim chance that they get back in this anyway. They'd have to go, what eight and? They go eight and one. That would be one. ten wins. Yeah, yeah, that would be ten wins. Seven and two at the out at, at the and probably more realistically, if you right. got really hot and won seven out of nine games. You'd certainly feel different about the season whether you made the playoffs or not. But True. having said all that, man, I mean, you know, you're right. If they win Sunday at New Orleans somehow, they're three and five. Well, they were three and five last year. So no one wants to give up on the year. And I get all that. I really do. Especially fans who are paying good money did not did not intend on going out there and seeing Ryan Fitzpatrick or Ryan Griffin quarterbacking. And and that would pretty much be that. But, you know, you, you have um you have Jameis's situation. Look, the coach should think about Sunday, and the coach is always going to worry about Sunday. You know why? Because that's his record. Okay. Right. So whether he goes out there with a backup, a third string, or whomever, um, you know they're still going to put that one loss on Dirk Cutter. So naturally, he wants his his starting quarterback out there if he can go at all. And we've seen quarterbacks in this league. There's not many Brett Favres, but. You know, your Peyton Mannings, except for the one year he missed, you know, was always there on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, your, your franchise guys, the one thing they have in common is they go out there and play, and you know they're not always 100%. You right. know they got shoulder issues. You know they got problems um, throwing the football, but they still go out there. So I applaud him for his toughness and his competitiveness. But there is something now that's gone beyond maybe his injury, and that is – this is this is now a, a team that has lost its confidence. It's lost its swag, and that's what happens when you lose. You know, I think Dirk Cutter said it best last week that winning begets winning, and losing begets losing. Sure. And there's an awful lot of losing. Four games in a row, Tom. The last time somebody at one buck lost four in a row, they fired him. Right. Right, and I look at this team right now, Rick. It, you're right. We went in that locker room after the game on Sunday. A lot of guys don't have the answers. They're saying the same. like, oh, we can still get this thing back together. But you wonder if, if they're just spitting out the cliches. It was funny. A couple of guys said things <laughs> and then didn't even remember saying them a couple <laughs> minutes afterwards. And a couple of guys like DeMar Dotson said it does feel like the season is starting to slip away because that's what happens when you lose four in a row. We asked Dirk Cutter. I asked Dirk Cutter after the game. What do you tell your team? Two and five. What do you tell them? Uh, my message to the team right after the game, and uh, you know, you got to remember that's the most emotional time was to uh, that I was. I thought their effort was good today. I thought their effort was good enough uh, to not point fingers. And, and you know, if they did need to point fingers, to point them at me. Don't worry about that, Dirk, because <laughs> they've already started that. They started last week. And they were pointing them at Mike Smith in, in particular. Now, Mike Smith had a better day at the office. It still wasn't good enough to win. Um, they still, Tom, did not get a sack. I don't even know that they got a registered hit on Cam Newton. I'd have no. to look at that statistic. 
Cam Newton was. I thought it was starting off well because they got to him on the first play of the game, but he actually picked up a yard or two on the play, so it didn't right. technically go down as a sack. But you're right. The rest of the game, Rick, it doesn't seem like he was pressured all that much at all. But overall, defensively, a pretty good effort, I, with, yeah. uh, with, especially with the injuries uh, at cornerback with Brett Grimes mm-hmm. uh, being out. Uh, this team played well enough defensively to win this football game, but Rick – they go into New Orleans next week. I have no idea what they're going to get. I have no idea what their state of mind is. Dirk Cutter looked like a – he looked thoroughly depressed after this game, and he has every reason to be. This team is not a good football team. Yeah, well, they're not playing well. They they thought they were a good football team, and we've heard Peter King and others call them now paper champions. A lot of people, Tom, are saying they're the biggest disappointment in the mm-hmm. NFL right there. You know, it's neck and neck with the New York Giants, the one team – one of the two teams they managed to beat, um, which seems like a hundred years ago. So, look, when you're when you're where they're at, I, you know, as Dirk Cutter would say, I've seen this movie before, and short of something we don't anticipate, which is you know, a minor setback for an unbelievable comeback, which is what it would take for them to salvage their season. We're all going to write this. We're all going to say this. The fans are probably thinking it and saying it themselves, which is. And didn't this team sort of get ahead of it over its skis? And I'm not just talking about, you know, hard knocks comes to town, that kind of thing. Um, although, God, you know, Lord knows that gave them national attention. Everybody started to like them. They were a likable bunch. Sure. And they saw the talent and they thought, wow, they're going to be a handful. And they have been at times. They have been a handful on offense. But, you know, the one thing that – you know, if you're in this league or you cover this league that you, you, you come to understand, and I know Dirk does, and that's why he was so, I know he hated, and I'm not, I don't think that's overemphasized. He hated people that were giving them sort of this, you know, unofficial title of, you know, the, the it team this year, you know, the right. team that's going to make the biggest move in the NFC South or watch out for, you know, mm-hmm. cause we're always the great thing about our society is we're always, well, what's next? Who's sure. next? <laughs> Who's the next it? You know what I mean? What's the next big thing? What's the next gadget or technology, whatever it is. And so, you know, consequently with a little bit of hype of HBO and um, you know, a pretty good off season, and you wrote about it, Tom. I mean, you look on that offense, you're looking at a lot of number one overall picks, oh, first yeah. round picks, Deshaun Jackson, uh, big money spent everywhere. And I think that all of that puts pressure on the play caller. I think it put pressure on the quarterback. Um, I think it put pressure on the guys that were coming here, um, whether it's Deshaun Jackson or, you know, a rookie like O.J. Howard or whomever. And, you know, Doug Martin um, missed three games. And, you know, it's sort of been, I think at times you can get caught up in, you know, how you win rather than just finding a way to win. You know, um, if you remember during that five-game winning streak, this was a team that had no receivers. They had Mike Evans. That was it. Right. And Freddie Martino was making plays. You know what I mean? Cecil Mm -hmm. Shorts, God bless him. (laughs) Gave up his knee and probably his career, you know, in one city to win a game. And they would just found ways to get it done. They, they got it done with turnovers. You know, Chris Conte had another interception today, had two big turnovers with a, with a pick six against Chicago, and then again another one at Kansas City. Um, they were making plays. They were hanging on. I mean, you had guys like Jacquez Rogers were starring. Um, you know, it wasn't the marquee big-name guys – they just scrapped and fought and clawed and found ways to win games. And now I think what has happened is, and I've seen it before, it's about, hey, is Keyshawn Johnson going to be the reason they win games? You know what I'm saying? Like there's always this, you know, how are they going to do it now with all these new pieces and all these, you know, we've got so many weapons. We've got so, hey, you know what? It's not about looking flashy on offense. It's about not getting a holding penalty that calls back a 50-yard pass. You know, it's yeah. um, it's about the little things. And they've gotten away from playing as a team to sort of everybody kind of worried about where they fit into the puzzle instead of solving the damn puzzle. Tony Dungy, talking to him last week, said, I don't know what they are. And I don't know that the Bucks know what they are. Are they a passing team? Do they have Jameis? Is he supposed to throw the football all over the field? Agreed. Or, or are they a running team with Doug Martin? Doug Martin's back now, and they tried to feed him 
on Sunday. He had 18 carries for 71 yards. He had a, he had a decent day. But the, I, better in the second half. Better, yeah, in, the better second in the second half. half. But their defense, what are they defensively? Are they a bend but don't break defense that relies on turnovers? Okay, that's fine. But they don't get enough turnovers. They don't sack the quarterback. I just don't know what they are. And that's what Tony Dungy said. I don't know what they are. So if I and I and the problem is he doesn't know what they are, and the Bucks don't know what they are. And I, well, I, I I'm still trying Cutter, to figure that out. Yeah. I asked her Cutter that today. I said, Do you do you guys and I might be phrasing this poorly, but as I try to recall it, but I said, um, you know, something about, you know, do you do you kind of not know what your identity is? And he said, No, we know we know what we are. Well, I don't think anybody else does, because I would tend to agree with you that you know, on the surface, it's easy to say, well, we're, we want explosive plays. We, we want balanced offense. You know, all the similar cliches you hear from every team. But in reality, it's a Jameis Winston-driven team. Mm-hmm. Um, and they are keeping the ball in his hands more and more and more, whether it's because they get behind or maybe they get behind because it's in his hands more and more and more and more. And, you know, their offensive line – has never really, uh, even though they haven't missed any any snaps off. I mean, everybody's been healthy. Um, they haven't really established what they do very well. They want to run block, um, but then some games when you fall behind, you know that goes out the window. But then Jameis is in the shotgun. And then today they were in the hurry up a lot. They try to get tempo with no huddle. Um, they're just sort of all over the map, and it, it's just it's hard to watch because there is no rhythm, there is no flow. You know, you'll see spurts and that when they become really desperate, Tom, when they're trailing in the second half or in the fourth quarter down by two scores, then there's really no choice but to gun the ball in there. And by that time, you know, teams are, are make, want them to work their way down the field so they're playing much softer zones right. yeah, and there's bigger stuff. windows. Yeah. So it's, it's all deceiving. You know, we talk about, well, they had the number one passing offense entering, you know, entering the game against Carolina. Well, you know why that is? It's because of games like Arizona when Ryan Fitzpatrick has to come in and throw for 300 yards in the second half. It's, it's because of games when you're behind by two scores that Jameis Winston lights it up. And tonight, or, uh, you know, when they played um, Carolina on Sunday, um, you know, they entered the, set, the fourth quarter and Jameis had just gone over 100 yards passing. Well, if you're a quarterback-driven team and your quarterback going into the fourth quarter – has barely a hundred yards passing in an NFL game, then guess what? That that part ain't working, you know. So you better go back to a drawing board. You better come up with a formula that maybe takes a little less a little less pressure or takes more pressure off of your quarterback and off of whatever swarm he's dealing with, and somehow puts it on some other people. And Rick, the turnovers keep coming. Jameis throws two interceptions. I'll give him. I'll cut him a break on the last one. One was tipped, because yeah. because they're trying to get back into the game and all that. But yeah. a, a dumb fumble again. He's trying to make a, a yeah, play. Yeah, that was a Jameis and, play. Yeah, and it's and they they, they can't continue. And, and a couple of guys said it after the game, and Jameis said, "Well, two ways. We have to get turnovers, and we can't turn the ball over. I mean, that's football one on one, Captain Obvious. Yeah, they right? always say that, yeah. but then they go out there and do exactly <laughs> what they say they can't do. So it's like, well, if you know you can't do it, why do you keep doing it? You know, exactly. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. What's your gut feeling, Rick? I mean, I I, I went into the Carolina game thinking that. They were a wounded animal. A wounded animal is a dangerous animal, and if they'd play much better, and I, defensively they did, offensively they didn't. I don't know which way this goes now. I don't know if they go in, go in completely go into the jar now, or they have a little bit of fight left in them. I I'm still gonna stick with them. I don't know why I'm saying this. It would not stun me if they came out and played really well in New Orleans again next week. Well, playing really well and winning a game are two different things. What this team needs to do is win a game. You know. Losing four in a row is hard to do in the NFL. I've always said that unless you're a really bad team. And and as Parcells was fond of saying, you are what your record is, and so that makes them a bad football team right now. But they don't have awful talent. We know that. We know they're not, they're not playing well. We know the coaches aren't putting them in the best positions, obviously. Um, but you know what? New Orleans is on a roll, and you know it's hard to win in that dome. You're going to have noise to contend with. Drew Brees is, is going to be hot. And Dennis Allen, their defensive coordinator, has them playing really good defense. If you think that you can show up and, and play like they have the last three weeks or four weeks and win, you're wrong. They haven't won a game on the road yet, okay? And they've lost four games in a row. So um, they'll have New Orleans' attention. <clears throat> but I don't know beyond this week, you know, assuming Jameis is okay enough to go, assuming he plays, um, it just – 
it just doesn't, like you said, it doesn't feel. Now, one week can change everything. You know, one win, and this is the thing about the NFL. One more win, and hey, we're three and five. We were three and five last year. Everything's possible. You know, let's get on a roll. So that's that's the nature of the NFL. But there's something about this football team that feels a little like the old Yankees, you know, 25 players, 25 cabs. And I'm not saying they don't like each other, but the performance is not matching, you know, sort of the <clears throat> the talent that they've assembled. There, there's too many individuals, you know, and sometimes it's the old cliche, you know, too many Chiefs, not enough Indians type thing. But I, I don't. I don't sense a a togetherness right now, either with the coaching staff and the players or necessarily with the players and the players. Right. It could be one of those situations, too, where everybody's trying to do it on their own. Deshaun Jackson's thinking, I'm right. the answer. And Mike Evans thinking, I'm the answer. And O.J. Howard's, give me the ball. I'm the answer. And and then you end up with, with what you have. Um, anyway, uh, care, careful which way this thing goes if you're Dirk Cutter, because this could... His mm. job could be on the line here in the next two or three weeks, ultimately. No, I'm not saying he's going to get fired in the next two or three weeks, but I'm saying if they lose two or three more games in this stretch and they end up going into the jar completely, yeah. then uh, there's going to, there could well, be a change. We know the Glazers evaluate everything at the end of the year, and we also know that they had, like everyone else, maybe more so on their side, they had wild expectations of success this year. And um, if they don't fulfill that, and look, they're one of the teams, Tom, now that has it's been. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The longest without going to the postseason. The Rams are in that category. They're about to go to the postseason, I think. Yeah. Um, you know, bills, they're, they're, the bills are five the bills and two now. are the yeah. longest at 18 years. They are five and two and playing great. They beat the Ra- uh, the Raiders yep. and beat them badly. Um, they they could end that streak. You could be looking at Tampa Bay with maybe the second longest streak of of, of no of seasons without a playoff appearance. And if that's the case, and and there's a regression by the quarterback, I mean, the number one thing that will have to be answered is, you know, is the quarterback get better? Uh, if not, why did he plateau? Who can who can take him to the next level, and you know is the talent on this team what we were told it was, or you know is it something less than that? And and those are all questions for the end of the year. We don't know the whole picture yet, but I mean you've you've been around this long enough to know how quickly you know things can turn south, and sometimes when they do, it gets ugly. So um, that's why Dirk Cutter is telling them not not to rip apart, but or point fingers at each other. So, but I don't know how long that that lasts. Right. Well, I'll tell you where it is getting ugly, Rick. It's getting ugly in Gainesville. It mm. finally happened. Oh my gosh, Jim McElwain out as head coach of Florida. It happened on Sunday. Out after two plus seasons, twenty-two and twelve, Rick, ten and four, and nine and four in his first two years at two SEC East titles. Not bad. But both years they were blown out by FSU, then blown out by Alabama. They're really not a top ten program anymore. I'm, I'm not, I wouldn't even put them in the top fifteen if you ask me. Even as they were winning nine and ten games the last couple of years, they were three and four this year. You had the whole death threat thing a week ago, earlier in the week. Then they go out and get absolutely blasted by Georgia, forty-two to seven. Just totally embarrassing. Here's the thing, Rick. I never liked this hire to begin with, and maybe I should have said more at the time. Were you on, were you on the record of that? Let me go I, back and you know, read the I column. I can't remember. I have to go back and look. Yeah. At it. I'm sure everybody now will go back and read what you said. Exactly. Well, he seemed to have the pedigree. You know, he was an assistant under Nick Saban in Alabama, and he had been a head coach. I'll give him that. It wasn't a Will Muschamp situation where he never coached before. He was at Colorado State, which I know it's not a big deal, but it's kind of like Urban Meyer coming from Utah or whatever. But it just felt like an odd fit all along, Jim McWayne and Florida. There was something off about it, and I don't know why, but – I think that's part of what got him. I think Scott Strickland probably looked at this and said, he's the AD at Florida, probably looked at this and said, you know what, this isn't going to work. We can even come back and win the rest of the games this year. This is not the guy. Did you ever, did you get that sense even lately, Rick, that he's just not the guy? 
Well, Tom, there was a lot of chum in the water, as you know. And <laughs> you just um, you love that shark. <laughs> <laughs> and all I know is that all I know is that the AD said this goes beyond winning and losing. You got Jim okay. McQueen in the cage, cage goers in the water. <laughs> well, my lady. Yeah. So anyway, I think, you know, look, let's let's aside from the fact that he did win 10 games in two years in a row and make it to, to be the sacrificial uh, gator, I suppose, for Alabama twice. You know, things happened that were not good at Florida. Talk about the suspensions. OK, let's talk about all the players that he lost, which. Uh, you know, rightly or wrongly, at the end of the day, if they don't like you, they're going to come back and blame you for that. You know, um, that's going to go on your resume. Um, there was the, you know, the fact that whatever they tried at quarterback didn't seem to work. You know, he's had three years. Um, clearly, they're a team that at least I don't know who's on the who's red shirting or, you know, who's not playing. But the three that they played this year were all bad. And I know, I know Del Rio got hurt, but that aside, he wasn't that great last year. And then, you know, uh, the, the losing is certainly part of it, but it's also how you lose. Like, this guy is supposed to be the offensive guru. You can't survive in college football these days. If you look around the, the landscape of college football, they're putting up points. It's entertaining as hell. You know, it's spread option, throw the ball. Um, you know, in some cases, heck, we just watched USF go – you know, damn near 25, 26, 27 games scoring 30 points or more a game. So you're not going to – it's not going to cut it when you can't score. And so, you know, that was his side of the ball. That's what he was supposedly known for. And then the bizarre end of this whole – Yes. What seemed to be like a cry for help, if you will, <laughs> from McIlwain saying, I'm getting death threats and, and our players or whatever. And not – and then the very – you know, not unnoticeable line by the administration saying that they had no evidence was provided of that. I mean, that is a that was a purposeful statement, you know, that everybody uh, rightfully seized upon because, frankly, the administrative administration wanted them to. It's unusual to fire a coach during a season. You know that. Sure. Uh, I think the joke was even Tennessee couldn't beat Florida to getting rid of their head coach first. (laughs) But I I I would agree that, you know, McElwain seemed like an odd fit, and he didn't produce, and now he's gone. I'm surprised that it happened, though, because I thought he had had enough success, and he hadn't been there long enough to say, okay, he's absolutely not working out. We're, we're going to get rid of him. But I'll give Stra- Scott Strickland credit that I think he's, he realized, look, this isn't going to work. Even if, even if they had come out, like, like I said, the rest of the season and put together and beat South Carolina and beat whoever else is left and, and even beat Florida State, which they probably have a, a decent chance to do because Florida State's a train wreck, and we'll get to that in a moment. But he knew that McIlwain wasn't the guy. And there, and I like that he went and he did it now because it's going to well, give him a head start because there's going to be a lot of programs let, are going to have coaches' openings. Let's be honest. Yeah, that, that's one advantage to firing a guy now. But let's be honest about he realized, he realized. You know how he realized? The Bull Gators told him to get him the hell out of there. <laughs> he was told he realized. That's right. I mean, this is no more because I'm telling you, I'm familiar enough with some at the very high levels uh, in that uh, organization, and they wanted McElwain out of here a while ago. It was a question of the buyout. We don't know the details. I don't know if they gave him the $12 million or they negotiated some kind of settlement. I don't know. But it feels like, you know, this was inevitable. Well, um, let's let's talk about that. About who might be next. There, let me give you a handful of names. Tell me what you yeah. think about them. And and sure. the, the guy, the guys that are immediately coming up first are mm-hmm. Dan Mullen. You know, because he's a Dan yeah. Mullen, the Mississippi State coach. Where Scott Strickland was at Mississippi State. Now I don't know how good their relationship was. I've heard stories that maybe they didn't get along that well, but I don't know that for a fact. So I'll, let me just name a few guys, and you tell me which guys you like the best. Dan Mullen, Scott Frost, out of UCF. And, uh, and, and, and I'm going to get to the big name in just a minute. Mike Norville out of Memphis and Justin Fuente out of Louis, uh, Virginia Tech. Any of those four guys, Mullen, Frost, Norville, Fuente, any of those guys jump out at you? Well, yeah, to me, Scott Frost is going to be the number one candidate um, anywhere for any job because uh, of the job he's done at UCF, the fact that he's been at Oregon um, you know, when he was there mm-hmm. uh, in that offense and brought that system to UCF. And, you know, whether – 
you know, Riley survives at Nebraska and their you know, mama calls him home or he goes somewhere else. I would think that of the of the young coaches that are at smaller programs, you know, you mentioned Memphis and a couple of them. To me, Frost is the number one guy. Mullen um, has done a heck of a job at Mississippi State. He obviously is limited with what 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 they're able to assemble there in Starkville. Um, but I don't know his relationship, you know. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I, I've heard that, that they may not be the best of friends, but I, I, that may be not fair for me to say. But look, that. I mean, you know, what was it? Uh, didn't a couple of years ago um, he have a quarterback that's playing pretty well in the NFL now? Yeah, a couple of, yeah, a guy that, uh, yeah, he's playing on Sundays and he's doing a pretty good job. Yeah. Obviously, he did a nice job for them and he's done a nice job now. So, you know, that that would not be – to me, that would not be a hard sell, you know, necessarily to Florida fans because they they know that he can a find a quarterback and b knows what to do with him when he does. But I but I think it seems it feels to me like you know if you're Florida and they'll always have this opinion of themselves, they can get whoever they want, the very best, you know. Right. And so you should you should go for the Scott Frost now. Are there any others out there that they could, uh, you know? Well, let me th- let, let me throw a couple other little, uh, smaller names who I think are a longer shot for this thing. Charlie Strong is having a good year at USF. Now he's a he's a um, former Florida assistant. That strikes me, Rick, as a little too Will Muschampy to me. You know, yeah, too little too defensive. I don't think you're going to get a defensive that that you know. Usually you um, you you get what you need or what you don't have. And even though Muschamp was perceived as an offensive guy his offense didn't work and that's that's why Florida fan isn't happy I mean it's one thing to lose we're kind of going through this with the Bucks a little bit it's another thing when you can't score any damn points right and you know they want to be entertained if nothing else and remember this is Urban Meyer this is the old ball coach that's the sort of legacy that you're trying to follow so in each case I think it'd be hard to hire Charlie Strong and and just trust that he's going to find an offensive coordinator for you uh, another guy who has been around, a former assistant at Florida, and a guy that I really like, but I just don't know if he's interested in coaching again, is Bob Stoops, the former Oklahoma coach. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think he'd be I think he'd do it. That would certainly be a, a name that you would love, and he could recruit. This would be a splash hire. I'm just not sure how the guy walked away from a pretty good job in Oklahoma. I don't know that either he's recharged his batteries enough to come back, or if he's even interested in coaching at all anymore. But um, here's another guy. I'm just gonna throw it out. I'm gonna. I'll, I'll let you laugh at me if you want. Lane Kiffin. Well, you know, I don't think it's gonna happen um, for a lot of the reasons that has why the very reason Lane Kiffin is at FAU is why it probably won't happen, and that is no <laughs> one will have him. Um, he basically had to, you know, go that route just to have a job, a head coaching job. But I will say this about Lane. Um, look, I, I know it's a smaller division of schools and conference. They're 4-0 in their conference. They won five games already. FAU's having a tremendous year. He was able to secure, you know, some players that maybe other guys didn't want for off-field reasons, what have you. Um, but he's got an offensive mind, and he could he could certainly make things happen on that side of the ball. I thought he did a pretty good job at Alabama. I, I know that whole thing went south, you know, before the championship game. Um, but, you know, it, it, if the job was just X's and O's, Maybe Lane would be in the picture, but I think it's so much more than that that Florida fan probably doesn't want the headache. You're probably right. Uh, Randy Shannon, he'll be the interim coach for the rest of the season. I've seen that movie before at Miami, and I'm, yeah, I have it too. didn't blow me away. Uh, Matt Campbell, Iowa State, he's having a nice year. I'm always Hot weary. coach. Hot coach, but I'm always weary a guy who's at a, uh, a place that doesn't have any success for a long time, and then mm-hmm. they have just a little bit of success. It's almost mm-hmm. like lightning in a bottle. Yeah, yeah I, I, it, it makes me nervous. It makes me nervous that he can't sustain it, and it's really not yeah. that great. I mean, he's still—it's not like he's undefeated and taking him to a national. Championship. No, but he's taking down some pretty good teams, man. Yes, yes. Oklahoma, no, and then this week, who was it? Somebody TCU, good, right? TCU, yeah. yeah. All right, I'm going to give you the name, Rick. That that I'm suggesting that they go after. It would be a huge splash hire. I think it would be a great hire. It's exactly what Florida wants. You want offense. You want up and down the field. You want a guy who knows who how to talk to quarterbacks. And as exciting, Chip Kelly. That's who I think they should go after. Well, had more success in college than the pros. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely a control freak, which most <laughs> college coaches are. Uh, not everyone's cup of tea. Um, True. You know, I, I mean, it worked at Oregon. It didn't work with the Eagles. 
Um, it worked for a minute for the Eagles. Yeah, I mean, until, until the rest of the NFL realized that the, if you run one of that, that spread option in the hurry up, they're going to smash your quarterback, <laughs> and then they're going to get the ball in 35 seconds, and your That's defense is going to play 108 <laughs> snaps. So other than that, it worked great. Um, there were some guys that had big years, including Deshaun Jackson there. Yeah. Um, but – I, I don't know what the I don't know what the thought is about Chip Kelly. I mean, hell, the Bucks tried to hire him before he went to the Eagles, and that was an out of the box hire that you would say worked for the Eagles for a couple of years, and maybe it wasn't a bad idea. Um, I think he'd have to be somebody they would talk to. You know, I mean, look, he's gonna he's gonna score points. Um, it's gonna be an up tempo, fast break, fun fun offense to watch. Those guys will be in shape. Um, but he's got a lot of idiosyncrasies with him in terms of his training regimens and, you know, the different things he requires. And it, and you better have an appetite for doing everything the way Chip Kelly wants it done. And I'm not, I don't know how much control that, that certain ADs might be willing to give him. I think he would be a good recruiter. Uh, again, he, he runs a really good offense. It would be a yeah. splash hour. You get him a good defensive coordinator Sure. And and let him and just let him go and and there's a real good chance that, that he could have this type of success that he had at Oregon, if not Chip Kelly. And again, it could come down to a personality thing. You're right; he's not everybody's cup of tea. And if Scott Strickland and him don't hit it off, then right. then they're going to move on. And Scott Frost probably would be the guy. Scott Frost is interesting to me in that he's going to have a chance to go back home. I don't know that that's always a good thing, Rick. I don't know how he feels about Nebraska, but it's not always the best thing in the world to go back to where you where you had success as a player uh, because if it doesn't work there, then it gets really ugly, you know, and, and then where do you go from there? Maybe well, it didn't stop Jim Harbaugh. It didn't <laughs> stop Jim Harbaugh. That's true. Although I, I mean, I'm, I'm the, they better start winning some games pretty soon here in the next year and start yeah. winning some big 10 titles where people are going to turn on him. But, uh, but was, was Scott Frost and I'll be honest, Florida's a better job than Nebraska. It just is. I don't. I wouldn't want to go to Nebraska right no, now. No, I agree with that. As, yeah. as bad as Florida stumbled this year, Florida's still a way better job. But is there anybody? I'm trying to think. Is there anybody? Well, else? one guy you did mention was PJ Fleck. PJ Fleck. Okay. Yeah. Good. Yeah. You know, I mean, he he. Um, you know, he, he's only in his what first year at Minnesota. Minnesota. Yeah. Um, but you know, he's a former Bucks assistant, a guy that I know as a receivers coach, and you know, did an unbelievable job. Um, you know, prior to, to, to getting the job at Minnesota, at, uh, Minnesota with, uh, was it Central Michigan, I think? Um, I or Western right, Michigan. Yeah. Western, Western Michigan, I think, yeah. yeah. And so, you know, he's another guy that's sort of this offensive mind. But beyond that, uh, he's just really good with players and really good recruiter and passionate and young and uh, somebody that, you know, you can grow with that that, that probably is ready – you know, I mean, look, he's already in the Big Ten, right? But he's not mm-hmm. at one of the premier schools, so I don't, I don't know that Minnesota is a, is a destination school in the Big Ten. Um, but yeah, that would be not. about the only other guy. I mean, again, the landscape of college football is vast, but I just, I just feel like here's what here's what I think they're going to wind up with: a guy who is or has been a college or NFL head coach, most likely college, but let's just say a head coach. I don't see a Will Muschamp. I don't see you know, a guy in his first job here. Right, um, yeah, a Ron Zook situation. Yeah, I don't see that. And I think it'll be an offensive uh, either play caller, guru, what have you, that'll bring his own system, his own coaches, and that, that players will be excited to play for um, from the offensive side of the ball. And those are the two things that would shock me if they got anybody that didn't fit that criteria. I got one more guy for you. One guy who uh, I'll tell you what, let me just coach him up now. Let me uh, just keep, let me throw the forward pass a couple times, and we'll pitch catch a little bit and have Steve nah, Spurrier. Okay. I think he's done. <laughs> I think. He's Wasn't done it too. you that didn't somebody say that he was like, ah, I go to my Blues clubs three times a week, play golf, I'm good. Yeah, well, that's I'm what good. apparently Martin Finley Martin Finley talked about it. Although I guess he made a crack in the in the press box in Jacksonville. So, well, I guess uh, I guess in my day we like to throw the ball a bit. We like to forward pass a little bit more than these guys do. Forward pass a little more. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he's just been. Yeah, that's the other thing that probably happened was, uh, I guess he has an office up there or something, and I can just imagine what you know Sunday mornings were like with Spurrier around. 
Reminding well, them, the, reminding the them of all the things they were and not are anymore. So uh, again, unconfirmed. What we, if you can't have a podcast and throw out unconfirmed rumors? Absolutely. Then what's Let's the point of having a it. podcast? But I had heard <laughs> that uh, that Spurrier before the year went to Mac Wayne. So well, if you need my help, if you need me to do anything for you, let me know. And he said, oh, "We're good, Steve. Thanks a lot." <laughs> yeah. And basically, blew Spurrier off. Part of me Oops. says, "Okay, yeah, it's look, it's my school." But then at the same time, say, "You know what? Have Spurrier come in for a day. He's going to get bored and go play golf later on this afternoon. So it's not like he's going to be hanging around the the, the program all the time." But uh, it's, it's probably not somebody you'd want to cross. I wonder if Spurrier would have any input. Uh, obviously, he's not going to. He's not coming back. I'm kidding about that. But I wonder if he'd have any input on on who they who they might bring in as their next head coach. And I wonder what his um, relationship is with Chip Kelly. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know and the answer to any of those questions. I, I would caution the AD into letting, you know, him influence them too much because this, this is really, you know, I mean, it's a really important job and, and you got to be the guy that's going to, you know, rise or fall with, with whatever, whoever you pick. So you better, you better like him. You better have a conviction about him and not, you know, not just try to placate, uh, you know, the Hall of Fame coach, Heisman Trophy winning coach because, you know, this guy, this guy, look, Florida's gotten it wrong a number of times now, right? And I still say it's absurd to me that you can be in the state of Florida and not find a quarterback. Mm-hmm. It's absurd to me that you can be in the state of Florida and not run a good offense. I mean, hell, you know, right now, uh, South Florida has a better brand, okay, a better product than the University of Florida does. How the hell does that happen? Right. How does that yeah, happen they- with the resources they have at the University of Florida? They would love to have Quentin Flowers at Florida you right think? now. Yeah. Well, he was available. He was always out there for him, you know, and you don't have to. He was out there for him. Jameis Winston was out there for him. That's right. I realized Florida State. Jameis was was in Alabama, but, you know, and that's the other thing. You don't have to stay in the state of Florida. If you can't find a quarterback here, like you said to me, uh, I think, uh, you know, earlier today was, you know, they should be able to throw a football and hit a. And hit a good high school quarterback from game. Upside the head. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So they're everywhere. You mentioned USF, Rick. The dream is over. They lose to Houston. I could see it coming a mile <laughs> yeah. away. No, you I'm saw it. You, I kept every week did, for seven did I, Every or eight week, weeks. I said, "There's all they had to do was go undefeated to prove you wrong." And by golly, they could look. They could they not could go undefeated. I, I told you so. Did I not tell you? I told you. You so. did say they weren't going undefeated. Okay, I'm going to say something awful right now, Rick. Ready? And this is going to be completely awful. I admit, right? I don't care what happens to them rest of the season. I'm now, I've now officially lost interest in the rest of their season because they're not going undefeated. And whatever they do from here on out, I don't really care because it doesn't. Oh, mean now wait a minute! You're going to be at that UCF game like everybody else when they're playing for the AAC championship. I would rather be at the Florida Florida State game now because. Up well, until that's a, yesterday, that's a train wreck. Or up until well, up until that's it. I want to watch the. It's I want to see the wreck, but. My point about USF, all I cared about was them going undefeated. They had a chance to go undefeated, get their name up there. We could argue about, oh, put them in the playoff, even though that was never going to happen. Now that they've lost a game, every that's to me was their season. Every They can win the AAC. I don't care. They can end up at the Peach Bowl still. I don't care. This was all <laughs> about on. going... This was all about going undefeated, and they didn't They do were it. never... I mean, and underline the word never here. They were never going to be the non-Power 5 team that makes it in the national championship talk. It was no, that's never, true. It was never going to happen. And but so, they, could have, they could have still argued about it. They could have, well, they, you could, for the you rest could of their lives, argued. they could have said, oh, we got shafted out of that. Yeah, we you could say we were, we were the only undefeated team or one of only two undefeated or whatever it ends up being. But, um, yeah, they don't have that carrot to play. But they still, you know, first of all, undefeated seasons aren't just, you know, they just don't grow on trees, especially around no. South Florida. It's never happened. And, you know, the fact that they could, you know, end up playing UCF in a winner-take-all, you know, so you stubbed your toe against Houston, okay, is one hell of a year, and and, in all probability, you weren't going beyond the – you weren't going anything beyond the Peach Bowl anyway. So I still think there's – you know, as as Quentin Flowers said after the game, we still have everything to play for. You're just not going to have an undefeated season. And it's it's completely ridiculous, given their schedule and their conference, to think that anybody – would have voted for those guys to be, you know, in 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 the national championship playoffs. That just wasn't what makes happen. what makes it so disappointing though was they should beat everybody that was on their schedule. As soon as their schedule came out, we all said, "Oh, they they should run yeah. the table." They're, they have a not that they should. They have a really good chance to run the yeah. table. You could really probably say that about no other team in the country. Even Alabama at some point is going to have to run into to a good SEC team. 
But with when you know USF was going to be favored in every game they played, probably. Right. Right. Maybe not against maybe UCF. That might, might have been not not. The but game. you're but, still talking like you know, and this is the thing. I mean, we're on the one hand we talk about the Bucks and we're dealing with professionals and grown men, and this is what they do. College football to me, what makes it great is that you're dealing with emotional young men. You know, guys, eighteen to you know twenty something years old, and. Um, because of that, you know, seasons can, can take wild mood swings, games to game. You can be a victim of your own success and get too high in the saddle and boom, you get knocked off. You know, <laughs> that, that's just, uh, was a little Madden there, wasn't it? That's right. I was uh, just saying, I was Madden doing college football. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so you could, you could have that happen, but I, I'm not, I mean, to say, to say of USF or any team that, man, you guys should go, you guys should go, you shouldn't lose a game. You should not lose a game. That's insane. You know what I mean? Like, you couldn't say that about Alabama, and they're the best. They're by far the best team in the country. Right. And I wouldn't say, nah, they can't lose a game. There's no way. Those, that team should never lose a game. It's just going to happen because you're, you're dealing with human beings. You're dealing with a ball that's shaped oddly, and, and it can bounce in any direction. And weird things happen, man. It's just it's just the nature. But it that's just what's great about college just, football. It is great what's college football. But it would have been so great if USF could have kept this thing going. Because oh, yeah. They, we still would have talked about them on on game day. And on, on pardon the interruption, they would get mentioned like, hey, I know they're not in, but USF. Yeah. Well, I mean, they just did. Yeah, they will they never just... be mentioned again the rest of the season by anybody. <laughs> Except well, for maybe at this UCF game for a minute, you know. I think they'll get. I think they'll get some talk about that game. But what what was funny is you mentioned game day, college game day. They came down and did a story on Quentin Flowers, yeah. you know, and on his his whole uh, tragic losing his both parents and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And it aired, and then boom, they lose. They <laughs> so, lose, yeah. And yeah. I just jumped on a bandwagon on Sunday, Saturday, saying, uh, "Hey, no, I you showed up to a game, and that you know, no one's talking about that. Maybe it's you that wow. you know your very mere presence." May have caused such a no. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what caused disastrous it. defeat. Fourth and twenty-five. You had a fourth and twenty-five. Oh knock goodness. it down. All you do is knock it down. Oh my! Just goodness. knock it down, and they did knock it down. Florida State, meantime, Friday night, Rick. I couldn't believe that oh, game. Gosh. Thirty-five to three. Oh my gosh! They're ready to be. They're, they're ready for that season to be done. Just yeah. play running clock rest of the year. Let's just wrap this thing up and don't get anybody else hurt. You know, it's embarrassing for Jimbo Fisher, I think, and for um, his coaches. And I assume that they're still working hard. I really don't know. You question that. Yeah, they're based working on the hard product. getting other jobs is what they're doing. I'm yeah, you, I mean, you've seen this before, Rick. You've seen yes. this movie. Guys start when they realize they're out of work and they're and all those assistants start calling are out their of work. buddies trying to figure that's out right. where they're going to go next. Exactly. Yeah, I don't think that's the case with Jimbo, but it's probably no, the case no. with a lot of his assistant coaches who know, based on the performance, that they're not going to be asked back. Well, on Monday, Rick will be out. Uh, Monday afternoon, Rick will be. Back out and listen to Dirk Cutter. We'll see what's going on with Jameis Winston, how healthy he is, and uh, and we'll report back on on what we find out. So thanks for listening. We're here each and every weekday. You can find us on Twitter at Rick Tom Podcast at NFL Stroud and at Tom W Jones. Steve Versnick is our producer, so thanks to him. Take care, and uh, we'll talk to you uh, after Monday and the latest from One Buck Place. Have a great day, everybody. Talk to you soon. Even on a budget, quality is non negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.